Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes. Hey, welcome to Kara Live. This is Kara. Today is Wednesday. Oh, and I am exhausted. It's Wednesday, August 27, 2008, and I am in Denver for the Democratic National Convention. Tonight we're speaking with uh, Scott Lindsay regarding uh, all the events that are happening here at the convention. Um, I did my blog. You know, I know I'm sounding a little off tonight. I'm actually in a quiet corner. I'm in the uh, Alliance Center, which is... Um, a couple blocks down from the Pepsi Center, you know, everything is hustle bustle here and uh, really hard to find a quiet spot where I have Internet access um, and able to do the show um, on the spot. But anyway, um, in regards to the show, um, tonight we're going to talk about the first two nights of the Democratic Convention. And... Um, uh, different takes on what's happened, what what hasn't happened. Um, interesting developments this afternoon. Um, there was a roll call, and the uh, I had heard some buzz that the roll call would um, would end with New York with Hillary um, um, passing the torch, or so to speak, I, I guess, to Barack Obama. And it actually did come to pass in order to unite the party. I think it was a great moment. Um, the crowd seemed to appreciate it. The spot that I was in um, here at the um, uh, Alliance Center, uh, everyone was pretty excited. Uh, there were cheers of Obama, Obama, Obama. Anyway, uh, to start the show off tonight, uh, again, I have uh, Scott Lindsay from um, – Nashville, Tennessee, and let's see, let's get him on the air. Hello, Kara. Yeah, Mr. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's uh, to, to be part of history and to be uh, here on this historic day in uh, in Denver. And you know, we we've talked the, on a couple of different occasions regarding. Uh, um, the Democrats in the Democratic primary and and how it's evolved and I being a Obama supporter and you being a Hillary supporter. Um, in regards to the uh, events that happened there, I'm not sure or not, I don't know if you're aware that um, yeah, I've, I've the roll call did happen. Just wanted to get your thoughts. Well, I, I think that that was very uh, a very positive thing to occur you know, historically, as you and I have conversed before, and I've mentioned this before, Democrats, because the nation is primarily slightly more Democratic than Republican, Democrats only lose elections when Democrats defect and decide to vote uh, Republican. And that was, uh, you know, the concern about this election with the primary being so competitive between Hillary and Barack that there was going to be a lot of disenchantment, disenchantment from those who supported Hillary Clinton, that they would, in fact, either A, not vote in this election, or B, uh, vote for John McCain. And I think Hillary's speech last night uh, went quite a long way to send a signal to her supporters that, hey, you know, the primary is, in fact, over. I'm supporting Barack Obama. I have a lot of good reasons to support Barack Obama, and you should too. And I think the vote in the hall today um, – not only was it uh, a part of a, a parliamentary move that you can do to suspend a roll call vote and just say by acclamation, let's go ahead and, and um, you know, give this 
this nomination to Barack Obama. I think the symbolism of it with her basically saying, look, this is what we need to do to unite the party. Our goal is to come out of this convention uh, here in Denver, uh, unite. And for her to, to do that, I think, was uh, was big. Hello? Hello? Are you still here? Okay, I don't know if I lost Mr. Lindsay. Um, I don't hear him. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys hear him. Let me try to uh, get him back on. Okay, I'm not sure if he can hear me, but if you... Oh, let's try it again. Are you here? Yes, I can hear you, Kara. Oh, okay, okay. I don't I don't know quite what happened, but are you here again? I don't know what's happening. One second. All right, I think you're back on. Okay. Yeah, you I are. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see the there's a thing on my screen that, that the microphone goes away, and that's when you're off the air, and I don't know what's going on. It's probably the uh, connection I have. I'm in like a, a little corner in the Alliance Center. I tried to get away from the, the crowd, but it may have hurt me a little bit as far as the, as far as the connection because uh, I'm a little away from where the uh, Wi-Fi is also. But anyway, as you were saying, in regards to uh, Hillary's support, I'm, I'm curious, too, how do you think that they will respond uh, now that this has happened? Well, you know, I, I think um, for, for the most part, yesterday I got a chance to be in the streets in Denver and, uh, you know, the Hillary, some Hillary uh, supporters were protesting. And I think it remains to be seen, but I think what she did was helpful. You know, it was very, uh, very helpful. But we'll know over the next few days when we look at the poll numbers because I, the only reason I believe the polls are as tight as they are, those are, in fact, disenfranchised or people feel they're disenfranchised for the Democratic Party and our Hillary supporters. So we'll see. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. Something you said I, I think was very key to the um, symbolism of what she did was actually very needed. I don't think she could have done it any other way than she did today. I I, I thought what and, and the way it came off was actually very um, dynamic. Uh, I had my doubts on how um, how the message would be received, but based on how it was delivered. Um, I think it was excellent. Well, I agree. I agree. I think she she handled this with uh, class, uh, dignity, and uh, with passion, you know, urging people to, you know, if, if you were a supporter of Hillary Clinton, you know, you, you support the causes that Hillary Clinton supported, and those causes are now being taken up by Barack Obama and urging folks to get on board with that. I thought it was magnanimous. Now I know you're on a uh, some listeners for her supporters. Uh, the are they indicating that they would vote for McCain or just not vote at all? Well, the, the what, um, what is what is the consensus? What I had been receiving this was a, a week ago. I have not been in on uh, some of the uh, you know the blogs that that, I, that I'm on that have uh, Democrats that are in the Nashville, Middle Tennessee area. You know, some of them were very uh, negative towards Barack Obama, negative towards Michelle Obama, and I don't know how that's going to be, uh, you know, received post-convention. I'm curious myself. My guess would be you're always going to have some folks, you know, who are not going to be with the program, so to speak, but I think a large share of people are probably uh, will fall in line with what uh, Senator Clinton requested, which is to support uh, uh, Senator Obama. Now, you know, being here in the uh, Denver area, I uh, saw a local commercial today from um, McCain, and McCain, it, it was obvious who he was targeting, and he was targeting um, Hillary or disenfranchised or um, disgruntled Hillary supporters. And in the ad is this young lady who indicates, uh, you know, oh, it's I think the quote was something like, oh, it's okay to vote for McCain. Really? And the quote was, really, it's okay. And um, 
you know, I'm I'm just wondering if those particular supporters will be swayed by that, or if they're if they're really that disgruntled that they would vote for a Republican, even though they don't agree with the policies of the Republican Party. You know, my goodness, stranger things have happened. <laughs> I would categorize that as just absolutely. If you were a Hillary supporter, to, I, I would categorize that as the absolute most bizarre thing you could do on election day. You know, would be to vote for John McCain. I cannot think of a more bizarre thing than a Democrat that either supported Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton could do, knowing what the stakes are in this election, knowing the direction or lack thereof that uh, Senator McCain and the Republican Party would like to take the country. That would be the most bizarre and shameful act any um, registered Democrat that participated in these recent primaries could possibly do. I, I would just be dumbfounded if that were to happen. My hope is just is some folks um, blowing off some steam or a little bit of uh, sour grapes. But I would hope that that does not, um, those feelings don't continue on into November to where they can do a lot of harm. To see what they can do, what I missed the last part. A lot of, a lot of harm, a lot of damage. Yeah, you know, I don't, you know, the part about um, uh, McCain being four more years of Bush, you know, is is very valid. And again, I just cannot imagine that being the case. You know, as as upset as they are, you know, come the next two to three months, or are they going to band together? And I think I probably saw those same people that you were talking about that were out um, um, with the signs one mm-hmm. corner near near the Pepsi Center uh, yelling out her name. I don't even remember what the chants were, but <laughs> it was obvious that they were pretty upset and still upset. Well, I think, you know, the big one-two punch for Barack Obama is you heard from Hillary last night and you heard from Hillary today, and you get a chance to hear from Bill Clinton, and I think, uh, Bill Clinton can really, really make the case that, hey, part of the, the Clinton uh, agenda, or if you were ever for the Clintons, now it's time to be for uh, Barack Obama uh, because our legacy and what we believe in and the policies that, that we have been for for the last, you know, 20-some-odd years of, of, you know, the Clintons is now with Barack Obama. It is time to you know, seriously get on board, and hopefully uh, President Clinton will make that case tonight. I have every ever uh, uh, feeling of confidence that he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I hope that is the case. And, you know, I'm even more encouraged after hearing uh, Hillary's uh, speech last night, which I thought was actually really good. I, I guess, you know, I had, and I've said this in, in past shows many times, that, you know, the, the the key was whatever happened at the convention and how they carried and handled the convention. I I do think that probably the uh, uh, other senators and congressmen, you know, had a powwow and a sit-down talk with the, uh, Hillary regarding her status because, uh, you know, I, I know that they were not happy with some of the comments that were made that during the primaries and even after the primaries and not showing unity at the convention would be detrimental during the election in November. So, you know, regardless of the fact that she did not win and in, in her personal feelings regarding the winning. And, and, and going on to personal feelings, and, you know, one of the things that had disturbed me prior to last night's speech is the fact that um, she kept indicating or I don't know if it was her, I don't know if it was the media, but there was always comments indicating that the um, uh, they were unhappy that uh, the Obamas, uh, Barack Obama, did not consult with them regarding uh, any of his decisions, especially the decision to pick uh, Joe Biden. Uh, how do you what what do you think about that particular comment, or or, or do you have any feelings regarding that? Well, I, I think that's what kind of you know, exacerbated things between the two camps. I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, strong realities with the two camps. Number one, Barack Obama and his uh, 
supporters or his staff or his team. They, these folks are all still kind of new to this level of politics. And at this level of politics, there is always a certain tone of, of, of deference, uh, meaning, you know, when you have someone who's such a serious person within the Democratic Party, not only you know, is Hillary Clinton, you know, the senator from New York, not only has she, uh, you know, got 18 million votes, but she's a former first lady, and until the party has a new, um, uh, what's the word, a titular head, um, which is now Barack Obama, certain deferences have to be paid to that, to that person. And I think, you know, Obama's group is kind of a new school philosophy that now, we're not going to, you know, we're going to ignore him. We're not going to say anything. We're just going to go on and do our own thing. And I think when he was on TV saying that uh, Hillary Clinton would be on anybody's short list and for him to not go through a formal vetting process of Hillary Clinton showed that, you know, he was being disingenuous when he made those comments. And I think that was kind of a rub that, you know, gave the folks who were in the Clinton camp that was just kind of a, a, a it was an, a snub. Like, hey, you know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna say on the front end on TV that I'm gonna consider you, but on the back end I'm not gonna do any of those any of those things, and I'm the winner until the victor goes to spoils. So there are two schools of thought there. One is, you know, to the victor goes to spoils, and victor can do whatever they want to, and the other part is this very intense political part that says, well, you're gonna have to kind of satisfy all aspects of, of the party, you will have to do this, which is you have to put you know, Senator Clinton on your ticket. That is the same kind of thought process that back in 1963 read almost the same sort of scenario, uh, John F. Kennedy being you know, in the role of Barack Obama, being a young uh, Catholic uh, from a smaller state, Massachusetts, uh, running for president and winning a close fight and having to put Lyndon Johnson on as his vice presidential running mate, somebody he did not want to put on. So, you know, the short answer to your, to your question is that, you know, to the Clinton supporters felt like a snub, and, and, and thus they sort of reacted to that. Well, there's two things. I can play devil's advocate with what you're saying there. One reason that she probably was not vetted is the fact that, from what I understand, that um, Bill Clinton was uncomfortable with the vetting process because they do not want to release the um, donors for the Clinton Library. And number two, as far as the consulting piece or, or consulting the Clintons, uh, there is two past Democratic presidents, not just Bill Clinton. You have Carter. So why would the Clintons feel that they need to consult with him when they didn't even consult with Jimmy Carter? And, and I don't hear Jimmy Carter complaining. Well, I, I think, again, it's, it's a, you know, as you move forward in any political party, a political party is, is it's almost like a family. I mean, it goes and it, and it grows and different things happen through the, the life course of that party. Mm-hmm. An old-school form of thought would have been, you know, you need to consult with uh, the person you just defeated in a very close victory. Uh, and you need to consult with the past, you know, President you know, President Clinton. I mean, you can consult with President Carter. That's not to say that these rules are, are etched in stone. It's probably just a tradition that has happened in the past. I know that even on a local level, when you're running for uh, your school board or your city council, most folks who end up getting endorsements and getting a lot of money uh, to support them, even on your local campaigns, normally go through a process where they ask uh, present folks on the school board who may be favorable to their candidacy. They may be asked their local um, uh, state rep. They may ask their local council. That's almost kind of been a tradition somewhere in Democratic par- uh, uh, politics to where you give deference to those people who are, senior in your party. It doesn't mean you necessarily do whatever they say, but you want to be on record as you ran it by them. And who knows, maybe that school of thought is disappearing. And that may be, uh, you know, Team Obama saying, you know, well, we don't believe in that school of thought. We're going to go on and do our own thing. We've got our own process. 
I, I don't know. To me, it would seem kind of odd, especially since just and just based on what you just said too. Why would you consult with the person that you just defeated? If you'd have been consulting with them before, you would have never won in the first place. Well, and in terms of when I'm talking about consulting, I'm only talking about in terms the of uh, the VP, not other okay. you know uh, not other policy related issues, gotcha. but in terms of your selection for you know for VP. Like, okay. for, give you a prime example, just a small fifteen second example. If Joe Biden hadn't absolute atrocious record on civil rights issues and that were kind of out you know he has some borderline civil rights issues the first thing any presidential candidate who's thinking about picking joe biden would do would be to speak with the members of the civil rights say, hey i'm thinking about you know selecting joe biden you know there's this information out here that he wasn't for the ml king holiday da, da, da. and i'm making this up this is not true for your listening audience but you know if there was something of that nature you would go and consult to see what the feedback would be, you know, with respect to this. And I'm saying the reason, you know, to consult with the Clintons or their their mindset would be, well, you know, we have 18 million votes here, and if it's not going to be me, you know, these 18 million folks would probably want to have some comfort level with who you pick. And I think that's what we're talking about with consultation. Okay. Okay, I got you. So now that the pick has been made, do you you like Joe Biden or you don't? I think Joe Biden is a very uh, solid pick, and I think uh, it speaks well on Barack Obama's judgment. It almost seems like if you were a CEO and you were trying to hire a vice CEO, um, you'd go through some sort of vetting process, interview process, looking at a person's pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, and Mm – it, it appears that he did that, and he picked Joe Biden, and I have very high regard for Joe Biden. Joe Biden will be an excellent vice president. Joe Biden will be excellent on the campaign trail, and Joe Biden covers up a perceived deficiency of Barack Obama with being inexperienced on the world stage because Joe Biden is, in fact, that. Yeah, I actually think that he uh, balances out the tickets. I, I, I would totally agree with you, even though I had a personal um, – my personal pick would have been Tim Kaine because I thought Tim Kaine uh, added the perspective of change because he, too, had not been in politics as long. But, uh, again, I, I think that uh, Joe Biden actually balances out the ticket, as you were, you're indicating. Uh, so as far as the um, the convention is going so far, uh, beginning with day one, uh, and the Michelle Obama speech. Any comments regarding that? I thought Michelle Obama's speech was excellent and uh, one of the best speeches I've seen in a long time at a, at a convention. I think one of the things that had to be done with uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama is, you know, American people have to get used to these folks being in their living room every day. If you really right. think about it, the President of the United States is in the paper and on TV every single day of the week. Maybe Sundays he's not, but there's a discussion about him on Sundays. So I think the American people have to realize or, or get used to this person being in their home uh, or being around them all the time. And I think Michelle Obama was able to show, hey, look, Yes, uh, my husband has a funny last name. Yes, he is African-American, but yes, he is just like you. We have the same American ideals and same aspirations as you out there in the heartland, and you really ought to give us a chance. And our story is a compelling one. It's the American story. I think she captured that masterfully. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I hear my hear echo. She... Um, rounded the whole discussion, especially regarding the uh, patriotic piece where there was a um, February where she had made that particular comment, which I think got blown out of proportion, um, where she said that uh, the first time in her adult life she was part of her country. Uh, In this particular speech, she said, I think the quote was, uh, I love my country or something to that effect, but 
she had rounded, you're right, had rounded the speech so well that it encompassed all those particular issues, especially those that um, people had questions on or even questioned them as a family or, or anything regarding them. I, I, I agree. Whoever uh, put together the speech did an absolutely wonderful job. Oh, absolutely. No question. That's still, to me, uh, the speech of the convention so far. Yeah, you know, I uh, made comments uh, regarding that, indicating that she warmed the uh, convention up, and it's, she's a hard act to follow. I just can't imagine uh, the next three nights since then to to top that particular particular speech. It was just done so well. Anyway, um, I haven't had a chance to watch any uh, television or any pundits. Uh, in the last 48 hours, and I, I don't know if you have either, but are the um, Republicans at this point in time uh, doing any um, smear commercials? I, I no. Heard, um, I've seen, you know, Republicans on, you know, giving their feedback on, on the Democratic Convention. And here's what they do with their talking points, because normally campaigns, when they get to this level, they want – the rebut message to be uniform because they want to create an, an, you know, an image about the other side. And what they keep harping on is that Senator, Senator Clinton and Michelle Obama, uh, neither of them have made the case as to why Barack Obama has uh, reached the leadership, uh, crossed the leadership uh, mantle uh, to to where they can say, well, he should be leader of the free world. They uh, okay. They can they can you make that? Okay, hold that thought, Scott, because we got a caller coming in. One second. Uh, if I can get them on. Caller, could you say your first name and where you're calling from? Yes, it's Black Achievement calling from the Washington D.C. metropolitan area. Hello, how are you tonight? Hey, just fine, thanks. Thanks for calling. You are talking to uh, Kara, and I have uh, Scott Lindsay online uh, discussing the uh, Democratic Convention. What's your comment or question? Yeah, uh, two, very quickly. Number one, look, uh, if the Clintons want, wanted Obama to show them great deference for their accomplishments over the past uh, some 16 years, you got to come correct, Okay. You, when, when, when a camera gets in front of you and a national televised show and they ask you the question, is Barack Obama ready for the job, you should only have one response, a resounding yes. No hemming and hawing. No, well, nobody's ready for No, you've got to act like, well, what happened to party loyalty? What happened to, I remember in 88 when Jesse ran. And Dukakis didn't pay him no time. But come November, uh, Jesse's base came out wholeheartedly for Dukakis. So now Barack gets it. And, again, it was a precarious position because he ran against his wife. And she didn't let up at no time. And her people still not letting up. And now you want to be invited under the, uh, the tent to advise us? Well, come on, you got to show game to get game. You gotta act like you want to be a part of this, and I hope he does that tonight and stop the foolishness. His time's up. It's Barack's time. Let's support him. And number two, very quickly, about the presidential choice. Look here, I'm a car like I see it. You know, he did what he did, and I'm willing to go along with it. But look here, we got to be real. Barack, stop listening to Caroline Kennedy. You selected a guy who was negative in the primary, he wasn't even registering 1%. He didn't get a vote outside of Delaware. He comes and says that you're not ready to be president. He says, I quote, I would be delighted to run with or against John McCain. Man, come on. That, that's, 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 your, that's your number two. That's your right-hand man. He's saying you're not ready, and he would like to be with or against your running mate. So, so you, you, you – sorry. So I'm just curious, but just based on that comment, who do you think uh, uh, Obama should have picked as his running mate? 
Uh, my number one choice was that, because Obama's going to have to do the heavy lifting. People don't vote for the number two guy. They vote for the number one guy. So my choice would have been the Kansas governor, Kathleen Sebelius. That would have been my choice because she, number one, can win Republicans. She has uh, uh, re- been reelected the governor of Kansas, a rich state. She's been in Barack's corner from day one. She hasn't wavered. She, she, she doesn't have the Washington baggage. She's from the Midwest. She's a woman, and I think she would have done wonders for Barack. But, okay, he did what he did. My second choice would have been Tim Kaine. But mm-hmm. I say this about Virginia very quickly. You can't tell me that if Virginia is going to send a mighty triumphant, they're going to have a Democratic governor and two Democratic senators because Warner will be elected. And, 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 and they can't put Barack Obama on their coattails to bring Virginia home. So you guys got to understand this. We're 40 years out of the Southern strategy. And in those 40 years, since 1968, 28 years have been Republican, 12 years have been Democrat. Now, the 40 years before the Southern strategy, from 28 to 68, 28 years were Democrat, 12 years were Republican. But Rock saw this from the get-go. He has to make an attempt to bust up that Southern strategy, to put the pressure on McCain. And by winning Virginia or Georgia, would have done it for him. But he needs to get this party on board. I'm not in Denver. But it should be off the charts for Barack Obama in Denver by now. Now, one, one other thing, and I want to comment. By chance, were you able to see the uh, event that happened on the floor today with the roll call with Hillary? No, I, no, no, I'm sorry. I was done. Okay. Because she did, um, I think what she did um, basically kind of unified the, the party, you know, at the, when they did the roll call, when it got to uh, the state of New York, uh, she basically ended the roll call at that point in time and said that um, we all should support um, Senator Barack Obama for President of the United States and ended the roll call at that point in time. I'm sure if you go to YouTube, they probably got it on there. Yes, I will take a look at that. That's, that that yeah. sounds beautiful, Kara, but look here. She should have done that from the get-go. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. I, I respect her. That's good to see. But she should have she dropped out of this race after Texas and o- o- Ohio. Don't get me wrong. I, I support her. It's good to see that, but it should have never really even got to that point. And, and thank you so much, Black Achievement. I thank you. Scott thank you. On the line, and he was a uh, Hillary supporter, so I'm going to let him comment on that. Sure. You still here, Scott? Yes, I'm here. Well, okay. you know, the caller had some interesting comments, and, and basically I don't, you know, fundamentally, you know, totally disagree with some of the stuff he said, but I did want to address something about the feeling that Hillary should have dropped out quite a while ago. Um, I don't think this is a, a fault of Barack's or of Hillary's, but in fact of the National Democratic Party. Um, he mentioned she should have dropped out after Texas and some other states. Well, you got just looking at the local party in Texas, Hillary wins Texas by you know quite a few thousand votes. I think almost 200,000 votes, if I'm not mistaken. But it's quite a large sum. But she ends up losing Texas because of Democratic Party rules. So as you any type about of... the caucus piece. Yeah, because the caucus Texas piece. Also, okay, all right, go ahead. You know, or she wins by 200,000 in Texas and only loses by a couple of thousands in a place like Iowa, but yet you're telling me I'm, I'm way behind. So I think any time... You know, well, it's not mince words. Campaigns, sure, they're for, you know, president or school board or whatever, you know, they are for. These are still very competitive processes, and these are still very competitive people. And I think if you had told, you know, Michael Jordan, well, you know, that shot didn't count, and we're not going to play overtime. You just have to go on and play in game seven. I think Michael Jordan would be angry. I think Michael Jordan would come out and respond because he's a competitor. So I think some of that was going on, and I think the party in the next elections four years from now are going to have to go, you know, kind of do what the Republicans do, have a streamlined, winner-take-all approach to some of these primaries so you don't have a very lingering, 
lengthy process. It doesn't really serve the party well. It only gets people upset with each other. So, Thomas, yes, sir. The black man wins, so now you want to change the rules now. Now you want to, you want to dilute the black vote and have a winner take all. I don't think that's right. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, in the future, uh, regardless of a Senator Obama, regardless of a Senator Clinton, the rules were all over the place in all of these states. I mean, there was just no consistency in any of the rules. And I'm not saying you needed to change the rules. I'm just saying, in the future, for the health of the Democratic Party. These rules are going to need to change, even right. when Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama have done their time and gone on to wherever they're going to go on to in the future. The party, it is, it is not healthy to have a primary system the way it is set up presently. But I agree with you, it. I agree with you. Say, but even if the way that it's set up, one of the problems, with, even after the uh, initial Super Tuesday, no matter how you would have done the numbers based on how they were already set up, there was no way that she could have won. But she remained in the race. Well, but here, and here's, here's the only point I'm trying to make make with okay. that. All right. The reason she probably remained in the race, and I don't, I don't know if, if either of you or any folks in your listening audience have actually either been A, a candidate, B, in the kitchen cabinet of a campaign, and by that I mean very close to the candidate where you're in part of the day-to-day operations of the campaign. When these folks get in the arena, the combative arena, they are competitors. What we see on the outside as voters, we see uh, what we like about candidate A or candidate B, what they stand for, how that meshes with our life. We vote, we speak our piece, and we go on. But these folks are engaged in a very combative environment. So what I'm saying is when you're in a competition that is that intense, something that is very personal to you because this campaign is about your personality, about who you believe in, what you are, you turn off the common sense this needs to be over uh, type switch, and you're still in the mindset of the competitor. All I'm saying is in the future these rules need to be streamlined to where we do not have this lingering uh, well, so-and-so won Texas, but I think I really want it. I'm just going to go on to Ohio. Uh, so you don't have that type of mixture. As you notice, the Republican primary, they, that's over. They were over a long time ago. They were over a long time ago. And, and historically, they've kind of been over a long time ago because their party, uh, their national party, kind of takes a little bit more control over the local party when it comes to presidential primaries. But the Democratic Party is the exact opposite. But, but that, that, local... that, one can be, that, that point can be argued, too, because uh, back when uh, Romney ro- dropped out, Romney was closer in the polls to McCain than um, the Hillary was at that point in time back in, what, January or February. But Romney went ahead and dropped out. He was like, okay, I'm done, even though he had the backing of most of the conservatives and not McCain. He didn't stick it out. He just said, forget it. Well, that well, was the, which was just the opposite for your candidate. Well, but the, here's, here's, here's the point. The, the Romney didn't have uh, Florida and Michigan hanging out there. I think actually what really kept this going longer than it probably should was that Florida and Michigan were not uh, – there was no resolution on that. So that kept a, a sense of hope going. And when you've raised millions and millions of dollars and you've got all your supporters saying continue on, continue on, and there's still that possibility that you still may win, you continue on just as any competitor, uh, even though you may be down by seven points and it's two minutes left, you're still going to be out there playing defense and taking shots. You know, that's just the way competitors are going to continue to play if they know the game is still winnable. So there was a belief that the game was still winnable. Now, logically, was it, you know, a very attainable for the win? Probably not, but there was still this belief that this thing was still going to be winnable. And all I'm saying is in the future, the Democratic Party uh, is going to have to address that and not allow the local parties to dictate the outcomes of presidential elections by having kind of inconclusive you know, uh, indecisive type of primaries that that can allow someone to go on longer than they really should. Well, to me, that beats our rationale because 
the um, based on the uh, Florida Michigan thing, the rules were already set, and that to me says that they were not willing to follow the rules that were already outlined from the get from the very beginning. They are Florida and Michigan already knew what the consequences would be, regardless of what the consequences would be. They went ahead and proceeded. So, but you got to keep in mind I, that again, was not I'm the Democratic I'm Party in those two states. That was not the Democratic Party of those two states. That was the Republican-controlled legislatures of those two states that said, for our purposes, our party's purposes, it is best for us to have our primary on this date and get it over with. We don't care about you as a Democratic Party. That's your own problem. And they outvoted the Democrats and had those primaries on dates that were not in keeping with the Democratic Party rules. So the Democratic Party of those two states were kind of handcuffed because the legislature, as it would in any state, controls when elections are going to occur. And that's, uh-huh. I think that's what caused some of the, the problem. But the bottom line is, as the caller alluded to at first, um, hey, the rules were the rules at the beginning of the process, and you must go by those rules. I don't think anybody's advocating that those rules need to be, to you know, you change rules in, in the middle of something to give one person the advantage or to make one person catch up. I don't, I don't agree with that. But I just believe in the future we cannot have a scenario like this again, and that has to be addressed. A question for Scott? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so right now you support Barack Obama, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so so what the, uh, when Barack came back from his trip overseas, uh, first he was criticized for not having enough foreign policy experience, for not being a traveling man, not being traveled, you know, extensively in Europe or the Middle East. He takes a 10, 11-day trip over there, and he is well-received. He is received as if he is the president already. He's well-received in uh, Israel, in uh, Iraq, in, 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 in uh, Berlin, Paris, London. He gets back home, and he's criticized for taking a premature victory lap. But at the same time, his poll numbers shoot up. He had double-digit leads over McCain. That has been his high. Since then, his numbers have slowly, slowly dropped that today is, he's in a dead heat. So you're, 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 in, you're in the camp. You're, you're in the, the, the Obama camp. What does Obama have to do to stop this stem of uh, slowly going down in the polls and giving all this momentum to uh, McCain, because he's got the mole right now. His ads are working. I think I think his momentum is gonna return, and, I, and I've said this to Kara to Kara privately. We've had some you know conversations about politics, and I may have said this at the top of the show. There, by by virtue of the the good benefit of the primary going on so long, is both Hillary and Barack and the other Democrats were able to register more Democratic voters. I firmly believe that there are more Democrats than Republicans in America. And I think it's been that way for quite a while. But as I've told Kara in in some conversations that we've had, the only way Republicans win presidential elections is that Democrats somehow defect and become Republicans for one day, and they vote for the Republican candidate. You've heard the term Reagan Democrat. These are people who... Uh, left the Democratic Party, abandoned Jimmy Carter for whatever reason, and voted Republican. How that plays today is if Barack comes out of this convention solid with the Democratic Party united behind behind him, those poll numbers will go up because those 7 5% lead that he's going to get back over McCain are going to be Democrats coming back into the fold who understand that, hey, my gas is high, uh, I'm in jeopardy of losing my job, or maybe I've lost my job. Um, I have to stay on a job I may not want to because I need health insurance. They understand that the stakes right now are incredibly high, and even if there's one little iota thing I don't like about Barack Obama, I may not like broccoli either, but I'll eat it. And I think those people are going to return to the fold, and those poll numbers are going to go back up. So you you do agree? I think that he's going to get a boost after the. Um, I, I believe I believe he's going to get a boost, and it's going to take him, and it's going to take all of the Democrats, uh, Biden, 
all of your local Democrats, particularly your local Democrats, to get out there and tell people, look, you cannot take November the 4th, I think that's election day, off. You're going to have to be engaged, and you're going to have to come out here and vote. And I think it's just that simple. I just think it's that simple. I think it's a matter of, of not only campaigning, but it's a matter of execution. We can't have no hanging chads in Florida. We can't have voting machines going down in Ohio. Everybody has got to do their part. If you're in a state that has early vote, for God's sakes, go ahead and vote early, you know, if you're in a state just like that. So I think it comes down to execution at this point, execution and victory. I, I agree with you 100%, uh, Scott. I think without question here, state to watch is going to be Virginia. Biden, at the very least, has to earn his ticket, earn the ticket. He has to take – but why should not have to worry about Pennsylvania? That's why Biden's on a ticket. Fine. We got the, – the key here, the, the side, I think a, a shift is going to be made in the South with Virginia. Uh, Webb beat Chuck Robb. Uh, well, he was an incumbent, like a, 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 almost a 20-year incumbent, a three-term incumbent. He beat him. Uh, Kane. Uh, won decisively for governor, and Warner is going to crush the Republican opposition for Senate in November. There's no reason why Barack should not carry Virginia. That is going to be key. If Barack carries Virginia and maintains what Kerry and Gore got in 2000-2004 is a wrap, it's over. But the, the, the question is, as you stated, will the Democratic Party, I'm talking about the entire party, be supportive as they were in the primary. If those people in the primary come out in the general election for Barack Obama, Barack is going to win so many states, it's going to be my he, – he's going to take Kansas. I'm telling you he's going to put some other southern states like Georgia and Florida in play. But the Democratic Party is not about race per se. It's at this point. It's about unifying the Democratic Party. That's going to be key. And Barack – Scott, in my opinion, is the one who's going to have to do the heavy lifting. He's the one who's going to have to go out, campaign, find his issues, respond to McCain, uh, hit him up when he has to. Barack is going to have to be the one that wins the day. Nobody else, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear any Obama people, and I'm one of them, who blames Hillary or Bill. I don't want to hear that. We need to get out and get the people moving. It's on us. It's not on Bill after this. It's not on Hillary after this. It's on Obama. He's got to carry it. I'll tell you one statistic, and, and, and you and, and Karen and those in your listening audience, will, you, you've, you've heard this name before. It's, uh, when they do a poll, they always talk about likely voters, 60% of likely voters. They always use the word, anytime you look at a poll, you're going to see the word likely voters. The key to this election is the unlikely voter, the person who's never voted before, the person who will probably get registered to vote within the next uh, uh, 15 to 30 days, all the way up into whenever, uh, you know, whatever your respective state you live in will allow you to register to vote and participate in the election. What is going to be the key for Obama is going to be United Democratic Party and the unlikely voter. And that unlikely voter is probably listening to your radio broadcast right now who's never been registered, doesn't believe in politics, doesn't think any of this stuff is worth it's all a crock and a sham. That person, there are those people, those unlikely voters who registered in mass do not show up on any poll. And that would be the margin of difference for Barack Obama. Would you think that those people are considered the uh, independents? Or you just that's a whole different category? I, I would know. I would consider those are the folks who are able bodied, should be registered to vote but have never voted because they don't they're not into politics. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think they have any uh quote unquote political affiliation at all. Their instincts probably lend them to be uh Democrat because of maybe where their status is in life, but they are the unlikely voter because they've never been registered and they've never been engaged in this process. Barack Obama, there's one thing I can say about Barack Obama that's completely true. Of any politician I've seen in the last 20 years that I've looked at politics, he is the most, without question, the most inspirational candidate. He can inspire people who have never voted before to actually decide, 
hey, I'm going to go ahead and vote. And that will be the margin of difference, that unlikely voter. Okay, that's interesting. I I I was just wondering, and I was just as I was listening to you talk, think of uh, if these people are considered the independents. But it, even with that said, do you think that Bob Barr will be a factor? You know, no one is uh, giving him credit, but I, yeah, I think he's going to at least get six percent of the vote. If Bob Barr is effective amounts any kind of campaign in Georgia, Georgia could go to Barack Obama. It could have, that could have, Georgia's going to be a squeaker with Bob Bo that Bob Barr mounts any type of campaign because you got to keep in mind conservatives are not excited about John McCain. They're just not. He has been the most hated Republican by his own party. So right. it's going to take some extra motivation for them to get excited about him. Well, what about Cynthia McKinney from Georgia as well? She's running, I believe, on the Green Party ticket. Uh, will she uh, be a factor in Georgia? That's that. I'll put it to you this way. That's not helpful. I'm actually extremely shocked that Cynthia McKinney would do something like that, knowing what the stakes are. But then again, you know, stranger things have happened. I'm extremely shocked that she would do that. But I think, um, you know, black folk in Georgia, they know what's up. You know, they know what's up. And I think they're going to go to Obama, and I think they're going to ignore Cynthia McKinney. I'd be surprised Cynthia McKinney gets even 1%. I, I, guys, I have another caller. Let's see if I can get them on. Caller, could you state your name and where you're calling from? This is Max. Hello? Caller from, hello? Yes. Yes, this is Max. Go ahead, Max. state your name. Go ahead. You know, I, was, I, was, I was really just um, listening. Oh, okay. You didn't have a comment? I'm sorry, caller. Uh, um, hello. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, I don't really have a comment. I was just listening, listening to see what's going on. Oh, okay. Okay. No problem. G- go ahead. Uh, um, Black achievement. I think you were talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with the third party candidates, I understand that the Green Party is very active in California. Uh, but I, I hear that Barack has California locked up. It's not going to be competitive. Uh, but, you know, there, there are some states where uh, a bar, the Kenny ticket, I, you know, like I said, Georgia is definitely one of those states, uh, uh, could play heavy in which way that state goes. Uh, but, again, I, I think the key here is going to be Barack Obama. I, you, know, you, know, you said something interesting here uh, about McCain, and he's not liked by the Republican Party. I mean, the Bush people dealt very effectively with McCain in 2000. I think Barack should take a little look at that and study how they dealt with McCain, uh, because I, I, I'm still waiting for somebody in the camp to tell me why I affirmatively should not vote for McCain. The fact that he has seven houses, I don't know. That just don't that, that don't necessarily do it for me. You know, so I'm you trying to figure out how to give me seven houses. So you don't think that the uh, campaign is pushing hard enough, or or the ad campaign is not hard enough against no, him. No, no, not nearly. Not not as hard as his. I mean, he's pushing hard. I mean, as soon as I mean, he, he he's reacting in real time. As soon as Barack does something, bam, there's an ad on on, on the television. Uh, yeah, Barack has to push a little little harder, not much. And Barack needs to needs to come out and celebrate his accomplishments. You can't say this man has no foreign policy experience when he goes overseas and he's uh, met very well, has all the credibility in the world with these uh, leaders in Germany and, and I'd say, the Middle East, and, and he needs to play that up. And, uh, you know, he needs to come out and let people know that he's still on the change message because change is what got him to this nomination, and he shouldn't let that go. Yeah, I, I I think you're absolutely correct that because he let him get him off message when he got back with the uh, celeb ad, the Messiah ad, and uh, there was another one. There was a third ad, but uh, instead of capitalizing on the trip that he made, he totally let them get off message and got on the defensive instead of being on the offensive. <clears throat> I agree. He he needs to be back on the offensive, um, as the caller stated. Change. That's the message he's been saying. 
change that resonates with American people. I think the only thing he needs to do is put some meat on the bones with what change is all about. And he can say the same thing Ronald Reagan said back in uh, 1980 uh, mm-hmm. towards Jimmy Carter. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? And I think any American, all they've got to do is pull up to the gas pump, look in their own personal pocketbook, mm-hmm. look at their credit card debt, look at their, their job, look at whether their relatives have health care or not, and say, you know what, no, this is awful. No, I am not better off. And then tie that to McCain, that McCain's policies are nothing more than keeping the Bush agenda going. I don't care how many times McCain can say it differently, it's still keeping the Bush agenda going forward, and that is the wrong thing for this country. The other thing that Black Achiever was saying was indicating that the reason that he was getting a boost or why the the polls are – or neck and neck at this point is because of the ad. I think the other thing that helped uh, McCain out is the um, uh, the uh, was the compassion for him that he had with Rick Warren. But the oh. the, the the thing that you because know, he came off very well during that particular um, forum. But the problem with that forum is, and I think that the Obama campaign should have capitalized on that particular part too, is because uh, it was released that Monday that. Um, McCain was actually in a vehicle on his way to the forum versus being in a sequestered, quote-unquote, uh, cone of silence, as indicated by Rick Warren at that point in time. So there was a possibility that he actually heard the questions prior to uh, being on stage, which gave him a more advantage than Obama had because they were not supposed to know what the questions were. After that point in time, the, the polls began to close in. But it would be interesting to see what happens once they have the uh, formal debate, once the debates actually begin, will he come off as well as he did during that particular forum? And I think that would be the key, too. You know what I want to ask? I want to ask, what's the point of voting? What's the point of voting? What is the point of voting? Yeah. In, in my view, the, the point of voting is, you're in a democratic society where you can uh, freely express without punishment who you are for, uh, who you think will in, in improve your life, and you have a voice. And the point of voting is to express that vo- voice uh, for no other I, reason to, but to express that voice. Scott, I, I, I'll answer it this way. What's the point of stopping at a, a, a red light? Uh, why, 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 why do you stop at a red light? Uh, one is, is, is so you won't get run over by the oncoming traffic. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's why you get out and vote, so you don't get run over, so you don't get any accidents on your way to work. I agree with that. Amen to that. So I, I assume that was Max that was asking that question. Are you a person that's never voted before? No, I voted. I, I mean, um... I don't really, I don't really vote because I don't, because to me it's not important. Because whoever wins just wins. The country's still going to die anyway, so that's why I don't vote. You're all right, man. Well, maybe, we, maybe we, maybe I'll, I'll do a tutorial on why you should vote and uh, before the election. Hopefully that'll. Have you registered yet, sir? No, I'm not registering because I, I don't find this election. Hey, look here, man. Look here. Look here. Wait, wait, wait. Go get registered. You ain't got to vote, but go get registered, okay? Do that as soon as possible because I don't know what state you're calling from, but there's a deadline in every state if you plan to vote at all that you got to get registered. So go get registered. Go to your uh, DMV where you get your license at and just ask for a registration form. Fill it out. Uh, put it in the mail. It should be you don't need a stamp. You should not need a stamp. And, and, and get registered and then talk, all right? I, 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 might, I, I, I most likely will not, though, because I don't find it important, <laughs> like I said. Well, ho- hopefully somewhere between this in, in this time period uh, up until the election, you will feel inspired to do so. It's, it's, uh, I think it's every American's right. We live in a country where we can do this without being uh, condemned, and, and I think you should take full advantage of it. And just and as an African-American, we have people that died, died for this right. Right. That may be true, but it's just that my candidate is not in the race no more. So. 
I'm Put your name on the ballot. Huh? Someone said, "Put your name on the ballot." <laughs> who, 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 who's your candidate? I'm just curious. Um, since you, you, you feel okay, and because he's out, you don't feel inspired at this point at all no, anymore. No, not no more. <sighs> okay, I, I, I guess I'm just at a, at a loss of words on that. <laughs> Well, like I said, when you go in, write in your name on the ballot, okay? I would do so if I was running for a position. Well, I'm going to end the show here. You know, you guys, I I greatly appreciate you calling in and generating the conversation. It's it's very, very enlightening and very good. And um, as always, uh, I'm always enlightened by the conversation and different perspectives of different people. Uh, it was a pleasure having you again here on Caroline. Again, stay tuned next Wednesday, uh, 8 p.m. on the East Coast, and this week it was 6 p.m. here in Denver. And again, uh, check out the website. I'll try to update you guys on the blog. And again, thank you for listening to Caroline at Caroline.com. Have a great evening.